Welcome to Therapist Uncensored, a podcast where therapists freely speak their minds about real life matters. Welcome back to Therapist Uncensored. I'm Ann Kelly. And I'm Sue Marriott, and we are very excited to have a very special guest with us today. We found him in the trenches <laughs> because that's where he's been working in real life on dating and relationships. He is the advice columnist called The Love Doc. We have brought to you, our audience, The Love Doc. Dan, tell us about yourself. Okay. I started working at the Austin Chronicle, which is a local arts entertainment news weekly. It is an awesome paper it's, in Austin, Texas, by yeah. the way. It is the go-to paper for kind of what's the the beat it of the city. Where South by Southwest was started, the Austin Chronicle, and... Um, the paper's been around since 1981. September 4th, 1981 was the first mm-hmm. issue. I started working there in 1988 as the personals guy, I guess. All right, so we got to tell you the personals back then yeah. were huge in that paper because we didn't have the internet, right? We, we, we didn't have no. you know all of Tinder and... Match.com. Right. It was it was the back of the Chronicle in Austin, Texas. That's how you made the connections, right? Yeah, we had our internet was a Mac Plus with uh. a bunch of floppy disks they had to swap out. So the personals functioned as you know, like a Match.com does now. Only it was a classified thing. You ended up having a lot of people sort of write in, yeah. trying to find matches. Like that was right. I mean, that's and that's the interesting thing. One of the things we talk about. A lot on our podcast, which is why we've decided to bring the love doc on is how do people pick their partners? How do they mate? How do they choose? How do they make it happen? And how do they stay in a relationship? So we do it from a brain science perspective. And we decided it would be really fun to talk to you, Dan, to kind of kind of get like you said, Sue, get in the trenches with you. You have the finger on the pulse all the way from the 1980s to currently. Yeah. You're writing an article. Tell us about that. Well, it's an interesting arc in that respect. You know, when you're saying people trying to find dates or trying to find a match, back then, people who placed personals were perceived as, you know, desperate people, couldn't find a date in the real world. Oh, how sad. Right. You know, that was kind of the perception. Like, oh, my God, now you're placing a personal ad? What? You know. And that kind of segued after the print model of that, you know, went into like match.com, Craigslist, and those other more immediate dating sites, you know, those were considered early on the same thing. Oh my God, you're having to find, you know, having to find desperate. Yeah. You're desperate. You have to find a date online. Now online dating is more than socially acceptable. I, you know, anybody, you know, has at least tried it for, you know, whatever reason and varying levels of success, but it's, commonplace now and some of the same aspects of let's call it self-promotion that existed in those print ads and those things were small you know like 50 words and you had to like cut to the chase essentially some of the same aspects of that self-promotion have carried through all the way to the day and in online profiles although in different ways and you know so that is going to be really fun because we're going to, we want to know for all, all of you dating and also all of you in relationships because he covers both sides of the tracks there. Um, that when we say in the trenches, it's like you've been able to follow this now for some time. And you have a, at least 300, is that right? 
Oh yeah, three. I think at least three hundred of my dating advice column. That's right. And I have another ten years of another sort of. Uh, I did a event recommendation column in the personals that I at least ten years. I don't. I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> so obviously, to give people an idea of the kind of tone and tenor of the Love Docs advice. Why don't we jump right into it and pick a couple of questions that our listeners might be wondering themselves. So we're going to put the relational spin on some of these humorous things. So starting out, dear love doc, what does a 40 plus woman do to meet men after a long and ugly divorce process? I was married for 15 years and haven't been in the dating scene at all. I don't want to date men at work and I don't have any male friends. I'm also a bit wary of men in general these days. What do you suggest? And this is signed by Jaded. So he says to Jaded in, the, in his column from the Love Doc yes, versus, Dan, versus Dan Hardick. Yeah. Let me confirm your pre-existing prejudice by saying that universally men are dicks. Maybe that has something to do with them being actually attached to one. But I personally believe it has less to do with gender and more to do with being human. We are all flawed. Yes, even just Justin Timberlake. Now, you have to understand as I'm reading this, almost every other couple of words is hyperlinked to the most random hysterical weird, bizarre things. But anyway, he has no evidence of Justin Timberlake's weirdness, although he might have a thick mat of back hair. Regardless, the thing is, we're all a little bit freaky looking. We all are a little bit or a lot fucked up by our parents. And we're all a little beaten down and twisted by life in general. And you go on and you talk about some of us are douchebags 24-7. And you mention a certain sitting president. But for the most normal born, non-douchebags are a higher percentage. So you you introduce the idea of percentage of assholeness or douchebag, right? Yeah. I I mean, and that's kind of empirical, I think. I mean, you know, the bell curve of humanity and the male gender are pretty decent people, I think. I think when we go out in the world, we encounter just pretty decent people, but there are the ones we remember. It's like porn you know most sex does not look like porn and most males do not look like you know donald trump we are like a much pretty decent less yeah and i think that's why people react so crazily about people like donald trump myself i just like ah, how do you not see that this guy is this crazy anomaly and why do we you know why do we want this guy versus somebody who's a little bit closer to that bell curve? I still haven't figured that out, by the way. Yeah. But yeah. Well, of course, that's assuming that Jaded's husband really is on that end of the bell curve. True. Because, of course, you know, after a divorce, right. whose spouse, for the most part, is somehow in our own narrative oh, God, yeah. on that end of the bell curve. And so you're telling yourself that what happened to you is really his fault. Yeah. And in doing that, then all men or like that. Victimize. Yeah. yeah or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. It's, a, it's a rough one. Yeah. And then you also go on to talk about the advice specifically is, you know, to stop thinking in terms like the dating scene and eligible men and uh, things I like to do. And you had mentioned that that was a theme in some of the questions. Yeah. I mean, that type of question is fairly common. She had some differences there with the, but you know, a lot of people get divorced. A lot of people are back into the dating scene. So those aren't unusual per se. And usually the question is, I'm just kind of intimidated by the whole idea of going back out there and putting myself out there, you know, tell me how people, I can just sit in my house and, you know, 
really interesting, unique, wonderful people will show up at my doorstep. Tell me how I can do this. <laughs> well, that's kind of the setup, isn't it? From yeah. from the personal ads on, yeah. I'm going to sit in my living room and I'm going to describe yeah. the person that I really, really, really want and look right. at my screen and wait for them to appear. Isn't that yeah. what happens? Come on, Love Doc. Isn't that exactly yes. what happens? Yes, kids. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not at all what happens. I think, I mean, it does happen. There are, I've actually, we all have probably some friend is like, oh my God, I met this guy, you know, dreamboat, wonderful person, but in my experience, those people are compatible in really interesting ways. And that dating site might've been the conduit for that interaction, but there could have been a thousand other conduits for that interaction. But the idea that if you just say some things, you know, like I like walking on the beach and I like, you know, pina coladas getting caught in the rain that, you know, Jimmy Buffett's going to show up at your doorstep. Actually, that wasn't Jimmy Buffett. That was, some I was thinking guy. it was. <laughs> no, he's Margaritaville. Who, oh. By the way, I just learned the other day, Margaritaville was written about Austin, not the beach. Seriously? We can get into that later. Please but, do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was, he was living in somebody's house in Austin. It was about the slacker uh, aesthetic of Austin in the early 70s. Uh, and that's why they're talking about Margaritaville. Yeah, because we are Margaritaville. That's, you know, we had... Funny anyway. story about that when I lived in Washington, D.C., uh-huh. when I first moved there from Texas... We'd go out with friends. I said, hey, anybody want to get a margarita with me? And they'd look at me like I had three heads and I was rude as I could be. And like, well, I might have a scotch, but I'll go with you. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> they didn't realize going margarita was an event for us. Right. It's Yeah. That's what we do after work. So this is very similar to the column, which is that uh, oh, we sorry. can start one place. No, it's so hysterical. And then all of a sudden you learn something really cool that you didn't know that you wanted to know. Oh, and that, that it's, was so Jimmy Buffett. Shock full. Well, Jimmy Buffett and uh, yeah, the Austin Austin Margarita. Margarita. It's chock full of entertainment, but also what we found as we went through them, some really actually good advice, like good, solid advice from like a real world perspective with real world language. So, right. And really we're, and actually what's so interesting is kind of, you've mentioned before we went on that there's certain themes that you're getting. Yeah. And that's one reason we were interested. It's like you kind of see the themes of where people are struggling. And we're always talking about yeah. it from a science perspective, but loving hearing kind of the themes you see. I loved it that we were sitting there talking about the fact that you went from personals and then we went to match.com. That's right, so yeah. interesting. That right. Arc, yeah, yeah. And, and you've seen the, you've seen the progression right. from that. And how has it differed? You know, how do you see it different? But the same way as everyone's trying to find a mate. Right, like in this process from personalmatch.com, or a hookup. Somebody's well, you're right. Everybody's trying to find a mate or a hookup, but people are looking for connection, right? And that's that's what or we're sex. always talking about. Well, there's connection, <laughs> love, connection. So, give us an example of what comes to you in the outside world. Well, so this one was really generic, which is the kind of question that really irritates me. Just because how do you make assumptions about somebody you don't even know? But there are large sweeping generalizations you can make about anybody. And this was one of them. And this one was, how do you meet a quality mate? It's generic, but that's what everybody's writing well, to you. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a good question. So give us the answer, love doc. How do you meet a quality mate? It's the loveless side of dating. I don't even know the gender on this. So, you know, and I don't know that that even matters. I guess I'll just read it and we'll see. But this is such a wonderful question, loveless. Thanks for asking. As you can probably imagine, there are countless numbers of vapid, undereducated, uninteresting, physically and socially inactive losers out there trying to hook up with someone special like yourself. 
Someone with exceptionally high intelligence, superior health, razor sharp wit, a positive magnetic personality, and loads of friends. What the fuck is wrong with them? How do they not see that you're way out of their league? I don't I mean, it's, this is the thing is like, what I'm getting at is when people, when they, <laughs> the idea with this is how do people not see my unique, my awesomeness just walking through the world? And are you saying that people can tend to overestimate themselves? Yeah. I think there's a, there's a huge, that's actually huge, true from a research perspective. Oh, we, we never see ourselves as wrong. We think our, we think what we say is a little smarter than it actually is. Yeah. And we sort of idealize ourselves around qualities yes. in general. So what you're saying is you're like, so people are writing like, I'm this awesome person and I cannot find that like, same awesome person back again. Right. Help me. Why does Brad Pitt not call me? You know, it's, and I it's always, that. and like even, you know, on when you talk to your friends, you know, it, it, you, everybody has this friend. Everybody has this friend. It's like, I can't get a date. I just don't. And you're like, oh, wow. Well, hey, there's this guy. He's, he's kind of interested in you. What do you think? Oh, well, no, no. He's, he's, he's too. You know, he's too, you know, pick one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Tall, short, fat, squatty. I don't know. You know, like uh, stupid athlete. And, <laughs> and you're like, what? You know, like, <laughs> what? what? I, you know, I'm looking at you, you know. Like, <laughs> I may give this a shot. And I think that's it. It's, you know, people in their heads like are much more fascinating and wonderful than maybe they really, they may be that in their head, but you are what you not only project to the world, you are what you do. You are, obviously I can sit here and think I'm Brad Pitt, but I need to actually be Brad Pitt to be Brad Pitt. So, you know, consequently I need to be a very famous actor but you know you got to be this. You know if you're if you're going to be um, Sean Connery, you know you got to be Scottish. You got to have a cool accent. You know. Well, and what I see happen a lot is it's I don't you know I don't know if people are thinking necessarily that they are that, but more thinking they're going through this exercise of what is it that I want and this list of qualities that you want in a mate is I like. I mean, your point is like how does that list, which is an awesome, detailed spelled out smart all these great qualities how does that match up to the list like how yourself and that plays into the arc that we were talking about earlier which is early on when you had we used to give away three 30 free words so you had 30 words to say i'm a single swm single white male (laughs) looking for a super hot swf single white female for dating uh throwing frisbees to my dog in the park and so on and that was it and, and you were done so the net was cast pretty widely back then because you just you know you didn't want to eliminate possibilities but some of the best ads were the ones that did eliminate possibilities because it was such a com- condensed format so you know i'm really into well just there, think about what you just limited single white female yeah. you just eliminated the huge yeah. part of the whole All population the yeah you can't date a married female yeah. I'm like, i don't know but no. I was meaning African American. No, uh, no, all that. Yeah. yeah African American, like bi, and whatever. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, you, you just. You, and we had a lot of acronyms like there was SWF DDF, which was single white female disease drug and disease free. Um, Oh God, it goes on. And we, that, that's a whole podcast. We can't. And, and useless now because it's called, you know, it's completely anachronistic, but. 
So you went from that, those condensed 30 word ads all the way now to where you, I mean, depending on what, you know, like match.com, they have, I guess, psychographic pro. I mean, they have psychologists thinking of clever ways to make you answer stuff so that it actually reveals the real you. And that there's a better chance for you to meet. Who's the guy with the, on the commercials, the doctor looking guy. I think he's match.com. Oh God. This is where I, this, this podcast may fail because of my memory, but you know, he's an actual, uh, I don't know, psychiatrist or psychologist or something behavioral scientist who's designed this great profile system that some will, algorithm yeah, to, algorithm help you. To, to help you match up with this other person. And as you probably know, problem with that is how honest are people with themselves? When oh yeah. And it's, and it's tricky because every, every answer that you give that's wrong is going to screw up that algorithm or that's not honest. And everybody wants to appear like the person they believe themselves to be. And so just what I was going to say is it's, it's not even like individuals aren't necessarily being honest. We've been talking about how they, that we often overestimate and perceive ourselves in, a, in, in this positive ideal way. I think it's also in our experience that people are looking for those aspects of themselves they're missing. And so when they know that they're sort of struggling and sometimes this is conscious, sometimes it's unconscious, they're often describing that aspects of selves thinking, if I got that, then I'd be a whole person. Right. Like, let me just add this, get this. And then now I'm a roundabout. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I've done all the work. <laughs> they've done all the work that I haven't. And that'll take care of my, my you know, in describing themselves with that sort of personals arc, when you have like pictures of yourself, Mm-hmm. Just Which ones that, do you pick? Right? Yeah, just that whole thing. I'm super uncomfortable with you know the idea that one picture or six pictures could define my whole profile. like mm-hmm. profile, like mm-hmm. who and and like on Tinder, you know, your fingers just blasting through these pictures of people. You know, but you know the way I think of that though is it doesn't that sort of match how it works in the real life? Like you go to a party and you notice four people or five people and then of those people one or two notice you back and so that you, you don't know anything about their profile or their whether or not they smoke cigarettes or whether you know what i mean that but your it, eyes calculate a thousand different angles exact, and you can oh the, yeah that's you right. know what i mean there's you can it, see yeah. how somebody holds their drink how they laugh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know well you engage with them are they, yeah are they like me they do they do they're, they're always in a permanent slump like not <laughs> not dating i mean like i am like a slouching son of a bitch and uh you know so do, yeah. yeah what about and there's so many like you obviously know this way better than I do. So many subtle clues, you know, about people that you're processing that a flat two dimensional photograph will never convey. And this is what, you know, it was like, if I'm taking, I want a video and I want it 360 and I want it 3d. And, you know, I don't know. I want it like, how right. do you, you know, how do you capture somebody's you're personality right. in right. a, uh, in a photograph. But some yeah. of the advice you give, like even in that article, which was mm. that, that you start off reading, some of the advice you give her actually, we're not actually here advertising saying, you know what, don't go on personals, don't go on match.com. Because, <laughs> far from it. Far yeah. from yeah. it. Yes, Chronicle, don't worry. We're not actually saying that. <laughs> um, because it really can and has been, depending on the way, it has been actually really successful for people. I think your advice, so I want you to read a little bit more about that, has to do with 
what you're looking for, not only outside of yourself, but what you're looking for inside. What are you yeah. really reflecting? And to kind right. of take a deeper look. So why don't you read yeah. some of your advice? To, what, what was this one? Girl, don't buy that dress for a man. That's what I'm <laughs> getting at. <laughs> you know, buy that dress for yourself. But um, so like this is part of that answer. Over the years, I have found that certain people have a huge disconnect between who they are and who they believe themselves to be. This self-deception is essentially acute on internet dating profiles where people are asked to describe themselves. Needless to say, there's a frustrating amount of hype. I get it. People are trying to sell their sizzle. What might be more useful, however, is Yelp-style reviews from friends, family, and acquaintances. Maybe uh, realitycheck.com. I'm actually thinking we should maybe develop this concept. Yes. Well, <laughs> little, little Yelp of friends, there's, little, little review. That would be really nice. That would yeah. be kind of interesting. And feel free to steal the idea for the do- domain name, I but if you do, I'd like to get my beak wet, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, I was trying to get a little money out of that. But um, no, that's the, that's the thing is it would be great to, to have subjective or not subjective, objective measurements of people rather than subjective measurements of people. But you can't have that. And what Ann was saying is right. You project what you want and it describes you. So if you want pina coladas and getting caught in the rain, clearly you're a person who likes to go to the beach and drink. But the you know, question is actually, drinks. are you? Because a lot yeah. of times what you're doing is is saying, "This is what I want." Are you this person? This because I want to drink wine and eat cheese and go to an amazing art galleries. Do you do that? Right. And one of the questions, the answers that you often respond, "Are you doing that? Are yeah. you going to art galleries? Are you being the person that is that you're advertising that you are?" Right. That is, I mean, in the real world, when you, you know, it's like, well, if you want this kind of person, don't you feel like you have to be a little bit closer to that kind of person? You know, you can't meet a captain of a ship if if you're not on a boat. You know, you need to get on the, you know, you get these, you meet those people there. If you like somebody who's sportive, you got to go play some sports or at least go watch some sports or I don't know, hold the towel on the sideline or bring beer. Or, you know, if you want somebody who's creative and is into art, go take an art class. Go do the thing. Be the you that you're trying to date. I mean, I guess. Yeah, and not even yeah. not even to be doing it in order right. to date. Or not to date. Right. Yeah. Like what you said. Be say. the you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like. for, for loveless, you say yes. That It doesn't necessarily mean you're forever condemned to pair up with a tedious, uninteresting, unremarkable, low-quality person. Rather, it sets the goal of where you need to be. Are you looking for fun, interesting people? Then do and become one yourself. So take some classes, join a gym, read a fuckload of books, do some charity work, meditate. I'm not going to lie. It might take a a monumental amount of work for you to become the kind of person you would like to date. But if I were you, I wouldn't settle for anything less. Awesome piece of advice. Be the kind of person you would like to date. I think that's that's the core. That's it. Well, and, and that kind of plays into what are you wanting out of your mate? If you're looking for these things to come out of another person, that's probably a fundamental error in personhood, isn't it? Like, you know, if you're looking to be a more active person, dating a more active person, yes, might drag you out of the house more. That might, you know. But does that person want somebody they have to drag out of the house? No, they want somebody who's already active, who already is you know, like we're going to go running because we both like running, not, oh, you know, you're not a big 
jogger, but I'm going to, but I'm so sportive. I'm going to go out and jog and it's going to inspire you to jog. That's just the, it's not the right way to go about it. But it actually makes me think, both of those things make me think about if you think about what your list is and, you know, moving moving from dating to relationship, if you think about like what you want your partner to be or what you, if you're dating, like what your list is of these qualities. And as you're saying, kind of Anne is like, maybe that is a mirror of something missing that already is missing or that you want complimented. The other side of the broken heart. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so that's the, be the person that you want to date, which is like, if you're looking for someone humorous, it's like, how funny are you? Or, you know, like how serious, you know, and going to relationships, uh, I was going to do a little excerpt here. Uh, Dear Love Doc, when you have World War Three level fights, is there ever hope you'll learn to be nicer to each other to resolve conflict? Signed by Scrappy. Good Lord, what did I respond to that? <laughs> I, I hope it was smart. I don't know. <laughs> well, what I, of course, what I really like about it is, so here you can see kind of what you said, but what I really like about it is that this is kind of what we talk about a lot, right? Is what about these big fights and what to do about it? So give us your take on that. Yeah, we talk well, a lot about it, though, so we want the love docs perspective. Well, so let's see, let's see if what we docs. say online matches what you think works in the real see world. See if it surprises me. Yeah. So, so here's some happy news, Scrappy. When fights are particularly heated, that's a good indication that strong emotions are involved. Yay, strong emotions. That's what you got into a relationship for, right? If I know you, Scrappy, you didn't give up the luxury of having random, meaningless sports sex with anyone up to and including Taylor Kitsch. For some weak-ass, watered-down, lip-dick emotions, no, you wanted a supernova romance with passion that burned like a million suns for all eternity. <laughs> right. You Don't didn't, we all? <laughs> yeah, well, right. We, yeah, and it's hard to maintain that, obviously, but you didn't get in a, in a relationship to go, yeah. And there's actually, I think there's another, I did another article about something you know, like, you know, you want to be in a relationship where you're like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. You know, this sex is awesome and their food, the cooking is great and they look amazing. You know, these are all, you know, you want all that, you know? So if you feel strongly about that, why wouldn't you feel strongly about everything else, you know? So you're saying there's sort of, even you and title is sort of a thin line between intense right. love and intense hate. And we love what you're saying on that. We were, we were yeah. excited to see your answer on that one Whoa. because it was right down the alley. What we're talking about. You can't, you know, you can't cut off one half of the continuum, have right. all that passion, love and, and, and not have side. some other level of intensity. Right. What do you think, Sue? Uh, yeah. I'll tell you. Otherwise you're fine. Everything's right. fine. Everything's fine. It's, everything's it's adequate. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, well, that, I don't. That's another one. I, you know, when you run into fine, that's that. It's always a bad sign. It's, it's either. <laughs> Did you have a good time last night? Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Either yeah, either strong apathy or bubbling resentment and um, you know unhappiness. Either way, the fine is you know Not unless it's like fine, you know, like like yeah, that's fine, you know. That other than, yeah that. If there's not some real um, emphasis, uh, inflection to the fine, you're in trouble, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I. Well, you know, we the way we talk about it is, you know, it stands for freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, let's just be honest. That's great. Um, yeah. But but wait, where you get to? The, well, let me let me tell you where he gets to because okay. I'm liking. Uh, he, 
some of what he's talking. He says, so here's what my grandmother told me once when one of my brothers was beating my ass. It takes two to tango. Now, that's homespun wisdom is the best, isn't it? One thing that makes old folks infuriatingly annoying is that they're right so much of the time. I could have just walked away, or rather, I could have run like my nose cartilage depended on it, but I didn't. I was a dumbass. I tangoed. Billy Joe Shaver didn't have to shoot that guy in the neck in Papa Joe's parking lot, but by his own admission, he didn't want to be a chicken shit. He didn't go to the parking lot at all. He'd have been okay. He was a dumbass too, but he had a good, had a real good lawyer. So basically what you're telling them in our language is take responsibility. Quit pointing the finger when it takes two to tango. Yeah. And that you don't want the doldrums. You don't want the doldrums. It takes two to tango. And yeah, I like what you're saying and take responsibility. Like you've got 50% of it. And so instead of pointing fingers, Look at how, how are you Billy Joe Schaefer? It's so hard to step out of the moment, obviously, and look into the future after my third broken nose (laughs) and know that ultimately that first broken nose was a blessing from my brother because I got, I think I got a better nose out of the deal (laughs) after my septoplasty. (laughs) But in the moment, yes, it was very tough to, you know, like I can't, I can't imagine, you know, like not. When you're in fighting about the most inane and stupid things when I was, you know, when you're a kid, in this case, I believe it was Star Trek versus Bonanza, which is sort Obviously of like it's Bonanza. No. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, it was, I can't remember now. I can't remember. I can't even remember what side I took on the thing, but it's like a Beatles and, you know. Beetle Stone's argument. It's like, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. So those are really dangerous. pertinent. It's very However, important. in the moment, it does feel, we did yeah. the whole thing, it does feel quite pertinent and passionate and highly threat. We talk a lot about the threat that gets involved in that kind of a dilemma. And the escalation of and it. The like, escalation, yeah. You walked back when we didn't have remotes, you walked over and turned the channel <laughs> on the TV, which really pissed me off. I think that was me, the other, my older brother. Yeah. And so, you know, and then, then he, Obviously, maybe smack me on the head. And then that was, you know, in adult relationships, there's similar escalations, but in a, and sometimes in a very physical way. And unfortunately, in a very physical way, but, you know, usually in conversationally, in the argument portion of it, it's just like one, things get escalated for, you know, just, <clears throat> I have a friend who I fight with, not fight with, but argue with a lot. And it's always, we're always trying to, you know, use exaggerated extremes to sort of one up each other. And it just goes, you know, just spins out. And I think regular argument or like relationship arguments tend to do that too. You know, you never, we never, I don't, you know, it's just always (laughs) like, you know, well, no, it's not, I don't never kiss you. You know, I, or like when I get home, it's like, it's not a never, you know, it's (laughs) no, but actually going back to relation. So we had like one of the, sort of the really common dating questions, which we've addressed. But what about like a really common question for people in relationships that you get? And part of what made me think of it was when you were saying you never and I never and things like that. That sounds like a old married couple. Yeah, it does. And and, I mean, to kind of carry that further, it's, it's always as a general type, you know, there's a relationship where one person (laughs) is not, getting the same as the other person not enough sex or not enough not h- sex, housework or housework, whatever it is. respect 
Respect's a pretty big one, and I'm <laughs> very uncomfortable with the term respect. Maybe you can help me out with this because respect has so many, so much stuff tied up in it, and it's but it's so important to people, you know. And it and it's about valuing somebody, valuing their opinion, respecting boundaries. Respect. We, you, I listened to one of your podcasts. Uh, I don't know a while back about consent, respecting somebody's physical space, and you know. What's okay about that? And so respect's just a really huge, huge one word. You know, but often people are writing to you kind of saying, I'm not getting enough yeah, of it. Is that right? Yeah. And it's, it's even got its own song. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> and so does divorce too. But, you know, oddly, I struggle with that. I, this is, I think I told you before we even did this podcast, one of my greatest fears is to get the question that I don't even want to try to answer and you know in a relationship i like to tell people when they ask me what i do i, I write a re advice column but it's bad advice generally because i don't really know what i'm doing and that is true i have no credentials you guys have the credentials i just have a pen and um an audience an audience and and uh just i i mansplain every week for 500 words or so i was mansplaining oh that's that's like a loaded word uh, I dance plain. But well, I, and actually what he's saying isn't exactly true. We have uh, looked at his stuff and it's actually pretty good. You just say it in a way that is really colloquial, colloquial. and the way real people talk, you know? <laughs> well, you, you take it down to a nugget. That's for sure. Yeah, that's I do. true. Well, I, yeah, I do. But, but, you know, and that. So the respect, the respect question. Yeah. The respect question is just, it's. It's tough. It's it's just about it. Kind of got we, we were t we were talking about Donald Trump and I mean I I hate to go back to the president but one of the things I think that just right you know he doesn't respect people. He wants respect. Mm -hmm. He clearly wants. He's like his buddy Kim Jong Un or what, I don't know how to say that. I'm not Korean, but he. <laughs> He wants respect, but he gives so little of it. He demands none. And, you know, like respect, like love, like friendship is very hard earned. You can't just, you don't just walk into a room and people think, wow, that guy, you know, it doesn't work that way. You have to have done something worthy of people's respect to earn love. You have to love back. You have to, you know, you have to earn it. No, so, no quick answers. It makes me yeah. think even of um, self-esteem yeah. and how that you, you know, people worry about their self-esteem, but really there's all, there, the only way out of that is that you have to do it. Like you have to yeah. do things that make you, that make you feel yeah. better and respect yourself and put the effort in. And then in a real legitimate way, you feel better about yourself. Yeah, in a very legitimate way, you feel right. better. But we're not going to get that from a pill or from a self-help book or from the most perfect partner, as you were saying. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like from the dating advice. And I think also when you think about the idea of somebody coming to you going, my partner doesn't respect me, I'm not getting any respect, it's often coming from a little aspect of bean counting. I do this, he doesn't do yeah. that. I do this, she doesn't do that. And I was like... Are you giving them respect? I mean, and, and I'm not to say that sometimes in relationships you're not getting enough respect and you feel like you're giving a lot. That's something to listen to. Yeah. For sure. But to we, ask yourself first, if you're not getting respect, really try to investigate, do you really have it? Not just give it. Do you really have it for your partner? It's one thing to say, yeah. well, I tell her thank you all the time, but do you really 
feel it? Do you really give and really hold that respect where your partner really feels it or your child or your parent? I mean, right. You don't always well, be romantic, but. And in that vein, there was another question from someone, and this does take it to the nugget of. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> a nugget? Doing it. A nugget. You know, about giving respect and wanting respect. There was a, someone named Big Jimmy who was. <laughs> oh, Big Jimmy. <laughs> was very concerned about that he was not receiving enough oral sex and he didn't know what the problem was and he wanted your help with that. That's such a classic, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> Is that a classic? Well, no, it's such a classic. Yeah, I, I mean, how many, I think a lot of guys think, well, I don't, you know, I don't get enough oral sex. And my point with this maybe, guy is your, like, what, what, maybe some people out I, there listening, what is, what's I'm, your advice to them for that? There, <laughs> I'm sure it was very colloquial. <laughs> It's a nugget. It's a nugget. It's, it's what do you tell Let's see. Where to begin, Big Jimmy? Where to begin? Tell you what. I'm just going to assume that you've gone down on her several hundred times in the last six months. So many times. And with such enthusiasm and endurance that you could actually do push-ups with your tongue. That was our beep. And, f- and flutter it with the speed and agility of a hummingbird wings. Good on you, bro. You're putting in the work. Frankly, with all of the... The time you're spending down there, I'm amazed she hasn't guessed that you're into oral. And that's the whole point. One of the beautiful things about oral sex, if I may, and I'm not even a sexologist, but one of the beautiful things about it is it's a clearly a one-way act. I mean, you know, the giver is is not really receiving pleasure, but the pleasure of the giver is that they're giving pleasure. So... There is something to be gained from that. Definitely. And if it's a one-sided thing, you know, the reciprocity comes into play. If I am blowing you every day, there's no reciprocity. The joy of doing that for somebody who values it goes away. So, dude, look, if you're not getting any blowjobs, it's because you don't value the blowjobs you get. And you don't show that. Maybe not by, you know, cunnilingus, you know, the reciprocity of, of, you know, that. But in some other way, you know, in a larger sense, in a relationship, if you're feeling a deficit from one side, you know, maybe it might be good to sort of check your own situation. What, you know. And that's a theme that we've found definitely in a lot of your advice. And I think that's some of what makes you very popular is that you tend to really call people out on. <laughs> well, and, and, and hold them. The room. <laughs> well, they're not in the room, but also it's actually good advice, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, that there's not a lot of coddling that goes on. It really is. Look at yourself in the mirror. Are you take responsibility? You know, are you doing your own work? Look at yourself, you know, just lots of self-reflection and, you know, holding the, holding both people accountable typically is what I kind of see. And you just do it in a really humorous and direct way, but it definitely fits, right? For therapy, a lot of times people think that they're going to come in and just get all the support, what they call, they want support. But what typically I think good therapists, yeah, you, you give support, but that support is very honest. And so if there's something that we're seeing that somebody needs help with, we're going to let them know that. And some people feel that is unsupportive, but really it's kind of the most supportive thing that we could possibly do for you. That's an interesting side note to that is as a calmness, as you can see, I'm, I, I tend to lean towards sarcasm and hyperbolic speech 
in order to get points across. And I use humor, I think. I'm hoping I'm using humor because otherwise it's a real asshole call. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm that's hoping. what I'm saying. Your no, points you are actually well, well but, taken. But so in doing that, uh, there's the, that insincere, insincerity and snarkiness of my column, which people like. The, the interesting thing is when occasionally, and I just did one not too long ago, when I actually do, and it's very hard for me as a person just in the world to be heartfelt and sincere. And, but when I do that, the response is incredible. Like I get maybe one letter every three weeks as, you know, just, Hey, great job. Or, you know, something like that. Whenever I'm do the change up pitch, it's, I like last two weeks ago, I did uh, just a sincere, basically a sincere, uh, yeah, the, the shooting in Sunderland Springs. Hey, we need to fix this folks. You know, this is, you know, every other country in the world seems to have some sort of handle on gun violence that we don't, are they all smarter than us that, you know, and it was just that very, so what were people saying? Heartfelt. In oh, they're just saying, you know, uh, they respond to the honesty and sincerity of that, of that. And I think that carries over, you know, that that's a corollary to in and in a relationship. I think what we really, really want is honesty in the world. What we really, really want from people is honesty. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to do. It Mm -hmm. leaves you both parties very vulnerable. You know, you're, that's the key word. It's, you know, there, think of all, (laughs) this is kind of scary, but think of all the things you would, if there were no repercussions of, of hate, resentment, whatever, all the things you could just tell people. I know uh, autistic people, I don't know this. I think autistic. <laughs> you might have to hyperlink. Cut this. <laughs> but you know, they don't have an emotional. Uh, you might be thinking of Tourette's. Right. I, think, I think what you're thinking Tourette's? is, is well, they sorry. don't have a lot of social. We, we, we oh. won't talk about autism specifically. Sure, we'll sure. just say that, that, that there's some individuals that have a really hard time reading and emotional understanding, cues. responding yeah. to social emotional cues. So they just kind of, yeah. They're not inhibited. They right. just say it like it is without the social yeah. inhibitions. Right. And that's the, and, and that's wonderful in one way. And it's, you know, can be hurtful in another. But if everybody wants that, I mean, I know as an artist, as a, you know, I'm a musician as well. I want to know, like, I don't want people, to, oh, that was a great job. You know, good. <laughs> that's a great song. <laughs> like, no, I want, you know, and, and of course your mind can spin off on the, on, on self-criticism ad infinitum. I know, at least for me, I mean, I, I can parse things into the most minute. No, totally. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about uh, specificity. And like, if somebody were, were to say Dan, uh, which by the way, he heads finger pistol, which we'll put that uh, link in Let's there. Let's, Let's be sure plug. and get that in. <laughs> but like if somebody were to say, Dan, we saw you last night at Jenny's long, Jenny's Longhorn and you killed this particular song and it was awesome. And I haven't heard anybody do it that way. Or yeah. your songwriting in this particular song really moved me and touched me for this reason. It reminded me of my lost this or that or the other, like the, the more detail and the feedback and the honest feedback that you're talking yeah. about, I think the better. That's great. And it's, you know, but in, in, in similarly in a relationship, the same thing is we know the trigger points of our partner. We, we avoid them like the play. <laughs> I, maybe that's just me. Uh-huh. Maybe we can go ahead and segue this into a whole therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's human nature to avoid conflict. 
it's at least my human nature to avoid conflict. However, there are other people who are a lot better at not avoiding conflict and, and not even in a bad way. They just are able to somehow finesse it. And I'm very, I have a lot of admiration for people who can, you know, communicate very difficult truths or not even, you know, truths is a bad Difficult experience, like opinions. Opinions, or, or, yeah, because yeah, truths really, are not, yeah. I think that's one reason why when Sue and I are kind of reviewing bunches of your responses, it was fun to have you on is because, yes, you use sarcasm, you use humor, but, and like you said, because they're out there, you know, you, yeah, you really cut, the either out in the room, you're really <laughs> cutting to the chase some, with some really deep, okay, wait, buddy, let's like really look at the situation on a whole nother level. Are you seriously saying that you have no social life, but you can't find a partner? Right. Right. That's like, crazy. Yeah. like in, in, in a caring way, but also like really, you know, kind of nut of it. And so kind of coming back to relational part, you're talking about authenticity. Yeah. Like the, the deeper you feel like authentic, the less threat. We're, we're, in this podcast, yeah. we're often talking about threat just in general. And mm-hmm. what you're saying in our terms is the less threat you have. And one of the ways to not have threat, whether it's dating or in a relationship, is to increase authenticity. And that isn't, yeah, honey, I really hate that dress on you. That's not what we're talking about. We're saying no. like, but just really, just so you can trust. You can trust the positive. You can trust the negative. You're going really authentic. Right. And in, I'm thinking specifically about friends who, I can't find a date, I can't find a date. And you say, well, how about so-and-so? And then they say, I can find a date, nobody. You know, right. and you're like, you really have to be the one to kind of go, whoa. You know, like not, you're not as awesome as you think you are. It's, hey, let's really get out there and have you meet people. You're ruling them all out completely. And your advice on Love Doc, when you're kind of really saying, hey, go be the person you want to be. Don't just focus on finding a partner and it'll happen. That trust thing's like another trust in a relationship. And I don't know if we maybe we'll cover this in here, but the intimacy, you know, I think one of the things people crave in relationships is the intimacy of the relationship of like you and I, we know things about each other. We you know, we know each other on a very deep and profound level that other people don't. That's what makes this a relationship or, you know, special, a couple. Yeah. makes it special. Everybody wants to feel special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of the things with jealousy. And, you know, when when you see your partner behaving in a intimate way with other people and not necessarily sexual, but not, you know, it creates feelings of, you know, betrayal. And and so Honesty being a big part of that creates intimacy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or authenticity, Definitely. I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, authenticity is <laughs> another, like dignity, authenticity is another hugely loaded term because it assumes that you know what's authentic even about you. And that... That's so it's true. A, it's a, I'm writing my ad and I'm authentically squirty yeah, and da 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 Yeah, I know. It's just really... I mean, I even... I This is something I think about with myself about myself all the time is, you know, who am I? What, you know, I'm from Oklahoma. I like to think that means something, but I don't really know that it means anything, but to a lot of people it does. And then, you know, I, I grew up mostly in a suburban environment. My dad was a college professor and then turned tech writer. My mom was a librarian, all these things that make up who I am. That's, they were formative, but then I have this adult me that gets to do, you know, pretty much whatever I want or gets to form the person, you know, whatever I want. And I get to make that authentic person. 
and in its in its formative idea, like I want to go be a, a motorcycle rider, you know, it's not authentic until I actually go do it. I guess I mean I, I might authentically want to do it, but mm-hmm. then how do I? How does that play into who I am as an individual? What my likes are, et cetera. And so it's <laughs> it's as with anything, it's hugely complicated. Authenticity, even still. And it makes me think, too, of something we were talking about before we got on air, like, who are we? This question of who are we and who are who is our authentic self? And you are really challenging this notion as you are now that we even know. And so things like I don't like Chinese food. I'm someone who doesn't like Chinese food. This isn't true. But let's just say I was saying that. And your point was, well, how do you know? Have you had every single dish of Chinese food? No, you know, it's and, impossible. Right. And so to me, what was inspiring to me about that was just the challenging of some of these beliefs that we have that are unexamined and really trying to re-examine and rediscover and open up our relationship with ourselves and other people. Because also once you figure it, once you believe that you know your partner, you know, it stops being that interesting or like right. it's you lose your curiosity and the discovery part, which that's where the heartbeat goes up and the excitement happens. And so being able to see people at newer, more nuanced levels and also not assume, you know, yeah, that when somebody moves to Texas and they say they don't like hot food, that that's true. It's that not true. <laughs> it's not true. They just don't. There's a process that happens. Yeah. So that discovery thing, that's an interesting concept, too, as in terms of a ongoing, you know, thinking, you know, somebody that they're always going to just, they're always going to be that same person. Yeah. It just is, shuts it down. Yeah. It, uh, yeah. It shuts it down. Or that like we that. think we're going to be the person that we present when we first meet somebody. Cause we're never the same person when we first meet somebody than what we become eventually, you know, and that's what's crazy. Uh, here, <laughs> here's another layer to that too, is in the dynamic of a couple, you perceive yourself in one way and your partner perceives yourself perceives you in another way yeah unfortunately there's there's no way you can get around that no matter it's like i am a you know wonderful thoughtful person (laughs) and the other that's so thoughtful i mean this happens in my house all the time well one of my somewhere in between one of my favorite things to do is to bring somebody in that i've worked with for a long time and to bring their partner in for like one session Uh, and like just say tell me all about her you know or tell me all about him (laughs) And, you know, what's, what do you, you know, and it's really informative. And, um, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, want to be respectful of your time and everything. And we have so enjoyed having you. And it has been such a privilege. And we really want our listeners to check out your column. It's called The Love Doc. It's in the Austin Chronicle. Can you give us a web address? It's, yes, www. That's how we say it in Texas. W W. I realize. Thanks, George. (laughs) I want the world to know that W existed before W. Um, (laughs) www.austinchronicle, A-U-S-T-I-N-C-H-R-O-N-I-C-L-E.com. And I think just slash love doc. Or if you go to. And it's L-U-V. Oh, yeah. D-O-C. The love doc. Yeah. And I actually have subscribers to my newsletter actually from around the country not not just austin strangely we'll send him yeah. more questions and maybe we can have him back on and we'll specifically <laughs> have him an- answer the questions you send us yeah that's exactly right and is I'm there a finger have... pistol url yep fingerpistol.com exactly how it sounds 
We are so happy to have you on. It was very fun. That's right. And check out his music. It is really, really great and super fun to listen to, especially live. And it's fun to dance to. So check that out for sure. That'll give you a little taste of Texas. Yes. (laughs) And thank you so much for coming. We really have enjoyed having you. And if you enjoyed listening, we would love to have you rate and review us on your favorite podcast player. All right. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson.